So I've actually started putting out episodes for the show at this point. This is the first one we're recording since stuff has actually been out on Spotify and iTunes and Amazon. And I got really scared of not understanding how fair use works. So I had put in a bunch of like really helpful, interesting clips into episodes and I took them all out before they went up. So I was thinking a cool thing to do would actually just have everyone on the podcast reenact their favorite scenes instead of us doing it. Um, so I don't know if we just want to all sit in silence and one of us volunteers to scream for like five straight minutes mm. over the credits. Mm. I already did that this morning. Uh, so. okay. yeah, <laughs> I can make the sound of like gurgling blood if you want. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's good. There you go. That That is one of my favorite parts. So I'm glad yeah. you, I think you've captured it. It's consistent throughout. Definitely consistent throughout. Um, so yeah, the show started at this point. And I uh, still haven't decided how it's going to start, but something along the lines of Welcome to Late to the Movies, a podcast where my friends and I get to fill in our movie blind spots every week. We'll pick a movie that either I or a guest hasn't seen before, but really should have by now. Today, however, is our first bonus episode. That's right. For Halloween, we're doing a miniseries madness, semicolon, Midnight Mass. We're doing a miniseries from Netflix, which is not a movie. But it is something that until recently none of us had seen before because it only just came out at the end of September. Um, we're doing this because, I don't know, it's spooky. And we all watched it and it sort of demands to be talked about. Or at least that's how I felt upon finishing it. So yeah, uh, with me today, uh, go clockwise, it's Noah. Hello. Back for thirds. I think Back I again. think all you guys on your third episode. I think so, yeah. Robbie over yonder. <laughs> over yonder, indeed. <laughs> and uh, Corey's here, too. Corey here. Back for number three. Back for number three. Back again. You'll see me a lot. I hope so. Hear me? Yeah, either or. Um, so, yeah, this is our Midnight Mass episode. Instead of being one movie that's around two hours long, it's seven episodes that are all at least, I think the shortest one's maybe like 55 minutes. And they go up to a, like an hour and five minutes, I think. They're all in that range. It's it's hard because there's like five minutes of credits also at the end of every episode. True so enough. they're not like a full... I, I was trying to figure out the exact length. Yeah. I was having trouble with that too. It's also difficult when you don't stop watching it and just binge like five episodes at once. It's true. Mm-hmm. I did watch it all in one sitting as well. <laughs> really? I think I, I did two sittings. Two, yeah. Did I watch like, it with at you? At least a couple, yeah. Yeah, I watched it with you. Did over over the course of two days, I think I stayed up way too late, banged out the first five, and then was like, I should go to sleep, and then did the last two episodes the uh, next day, which was really just later in the same day, because I stayed up till 3 a.m. the first time. But, you know, it says Midnight Mass right on the tin, so I, I feel like that's permission to watch it really late at night. Worth it. Um, so yeah, this is an episode I think I'm going to try and put out right on Halloween, so perfect choice we're doing a show that takes place mostly over the course of lent and ends on easter sunday i'm trying to think of a good way to transition into talking about random crap before this as we usually do but i don't really know if it's necessary but is there anything you guys watch every halloween or try and get in sometime around the month of october or i guess if not really any holiday that there's something whether if it's a tv episode or a movie or anything like that i have a personal favorite yeah Halloween Town. I was going to bring up Halloween Town. Honestly, Halloween Town. The the whole series or just the first one? Uh, I feel like there's diminishing returns. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, I've actually never seen Halloween Town High. I know 
we have to put it on the list. That's what everyone's screaming at their podcast right now. But mm, it was uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the first two, or at least, were ones that I did see when they premiered on. Were those were Disney Channel original yeah. movies, right? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, DComs. Um, yeah, not. Not a, uh, oh no, wait, hold on. Noah, have you not seen Halloween Town? I have, I think oh, okay. when it like originally came out. Sure, yeah. You yeah, only saw it that's what I was once? Thinking. I've probably seen it more than once, but probably oh, not in like oh 10 years, God. 10 well, or 15 years. Well. I know what we're doing later. Yeah. I used to have the, the DVD of it, but uh, I lost it. It's a, I had it in college, someone borrowed it. Oh, they're not giving that back. They're not giving that back. My copy of Big Green, I haven't seen in years either. Somebody took that too. Should have just gave him your wallet. <laughs> At that point, yeah, it's, it's gold. It's like, take my ID, take my passport. <laughs> it's, it's priceless. This is more worth it to me. I think it was like ten dollars on Amazon. We haven't done it in a while, but we used to watch like Idle Hands every Halloween. I want to say maybe not like on Halloween. I don't but think I've seen watched. Idle Hands. You've definitely really? seen Idle Hands. I don't think I've How seen it. Oh. We used to watch it at Brendan's all the I've time. I've seen it at least three times. I don't think I've seen it. Yeah. Oh, it's all so right. Good. Uh, all right. We'll put that on the list. <laughs> Idle Hands needs to go on the list. Halloween Town. Have you seen Idle Hands? Uh, what is Idle Hands? I've, I don't know it. Oh, man. It's a Seth Green movie. Um, okay. And it's uh, Jessica Alba is in it at like 19 okay. years old. It's so random. Um, I'm sure she's treated with absolute respect. <laughs> there's definitely a bunch of bra scenes in there. But it's just like a, it's a ridiculous Seth Green movie. And it's about like a hand that is possessed and starts going okay. around and killing Sounds- people. This sounds familiar. I haven't seen it though. His friends become zombies because they die and like heaven's too far away and they're big stoners. So they go, nah, and turn around. They go, nah. (laughs) It's one of those movies that like. I feel like I have to see this. Is not widely. Cult classic. Liked. Yeah. It's it's more of a cult classic. Like 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that you jumped in with cult classic is he was saying no one actually likes this movie. (laughs) All right, maybe it's just my I, I like it. It's fantastic. I highly recommend it. This sounds like the kind of movie that you probably don't watch by yourself, but in a group of people, yes, probably a pretty nice. fun time. Yeah, that sounds really perfect for that. Uh, most Seth Green movies, I'd imagine, are. Seth Green, Devon Sawa, El- Eldon Henson, Jessica Alba, Vivica A. Fox. Oh, really? Yeah. Not a bad cast. There's some more names. At Christopher Hart. Wait, is the main the main guy isn't Seth Green, right? No, I don't it, think so. Is he the guy that played that kid in SLC Punk? For some reason, I have an image in my head of um, the guy, the kid that like sold acid. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> okay, I mean, it sounds like Seth Green. <laughs> I'll, I'll look, uh, no, I'll look, I'll look this up. Those are the kind of characters he played when he was still in movies. Yeah. Oh man. I just always go Amish Seth Green. That's my like go to from mm-hmm. uh, Sex Drive. That's my favorite Seth Green. I haven't seen. I haven't seen Sex Drive. It's the same guy. Oh, it is. De- Devon Sawa. I don't yeah. know. I might actor's be his name. I just have like an Bob image in my head of of him. Cool. All right. Never really know if it's more of a October or December movie, but Nightmare Before Christmas obviously is one that a lot of people watch either now or a couple months from now, depending on which side of that spectrum you fall down. Never seen it. Okay, well. <laughs> Wait a minute. I mean, we do need to. What? I feel like it's more of a Halloween movie, but maybe we'll put do it in for Christmas. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. That is kind of crazy. It's no yeah. other hands, but I'll check it out. <laughs> <laughs> you got time. As we're recording this, it's it's mid-October, but uh, so you have time to bang it out. Good. Shout out drive through. Shout out. 
shout out uh, Snoop Dogg's Hood think, of Horror. I think we mentioned we did <laughs> drive through on the last episode. Yep. What was drive through? Um, uh, I I've know. I still haven't seen it or even like a still image from it. But you Probably mentioned clowns. Oh, and okay. like a vat of oil. I remember yeah. us talking about this. It's the clown in the um, uh, fast food restaurant. Oh, the yeah. only scene I remember is the clown takes a guy's face and he just puts it into the frying vat. Oh, and that I, was like, they made it look all like horrific. I they think were I like, saw ah! that at Brendan's. Probably. Was, yeah, it was at you. Brendan's so, yeah. <laughs> multiple times. Listening back to the last episode, I, I feel remiss in not asking, does the clown work at the restaurant or is he just coming through? Honestly, no idea. Is he a mascot for the restaurant? Is it a McDonald's sort of parody thing? Or? I actually don't know the connection between the clown and the restaurant. As you can see, I didn't pay strong attention. <laughs> Are to there the clown movie. specifics to how he's killing people, or could this just be a normal person who was at a fast food? Uh, well, restaurant? there's only one way to find out. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> Drive-through episode. Seems like it's a heavy-handed dig at Ronald. Before we get too deep into uh, Midnight Mass. So the writer, director, and editor of this series is Mike Flanagan, who has made a lot of adaptations of other novels throughout his career. Only a couple original things, but for Netflix, he's already done The Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of Blind Manor. He adapted two Stephen King books already in uh, Gerald's Game, which I think was direct to Netflix, and Doctor Sleep, the sequel to The Shining. Um, that was the first Flanagan thing that I saw. But have have you guys watched any of the other stuff, the Haunting miniseries or anything like that? No. I um, actually just finished The uh, Haunting of Hill House. Okay. That was very good. Yeah. I think the, one, uh, there's a couple of characters that carry over. Well, they're actors, not characters, obviously. Um, oh, yeah. I think the um, the woman in uh, Midnight Mass that plays, oh, what's her name? Aaron. Erin, yeah, mm-hmm. that one I recognized. I, yep. I can't think of the other one. But. So she's actually married to Mike Flanagan, so she's in most oh, of his stuff. Okay. Um, but this was a, a long gestating project for Flanagan. I guess he got enough clout, at least with Netflix, from adapting popular works of fiction already that they let him make his own thing. Um, this shows up in a couple previous projects of his as like a fictional book that someone's reading or that someone is writing Hmm. Um, in hush. It's a, like you see, you know, the spine of it and it says midnight mass. And then in Gerald's game, there's also a midnight mass book on a shelf. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Wasn't it like 10 years in the making? Yeah. So as as he says it, this, he had started writing this before he had a career is is his words in one of the videos I watched. And uh, yeah, so I like Flanagan a lot. Uh, We'll get more into him once we're, talking about it, but I think for me, at least this resonated a lot. He's from Massachusetts, grew up Catholic and has a lot of the same questions that I feel like I do about, um, devote religious communities and the way, yeah, whatever we'll get into that, but let's talk about the show itself first. Who wants to quickly summarize the plot of midnight mass and fair warning. We'll have spoilers. Never, right. No, no Everybody one's really volunteering, church. but uh, they meet an angel. Um, spoiler: it's not an angel; it's a fucking va- oh vampire. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, they uh, they use the vampire's blood to try and spread quote God's miracle. Uh, obviously, that doesn't go well. Everybody fucking fucking dies, <laughs> and the entire town's on fire. Only two people live. The end. 
I guess we can get to this later once we're on. You have know, to bleep that out. The the ending parts of it, but do you think there's anyone that just like lived in a non burned down part of the island that was just like? I was thinking that like, somebody presumably they could have been on vacation for a few days. It really all takes oh, yeah, place over the course true. of like one day when you can't get off the island. Yeah, and they they were very sure that nobody else lived, but I, I don't really think they were Wait, searching these houses like inch by inch. Everyone kind of ran out of steam at the same time and was like, "This this was a bad idea. This is a very yeah. bad idea. This sucks. Like, oh, I, I hate that we monsters. did this. <laughs> like, we're covered in blood. What were we thinking? Yeah." yeah. So there, there could have been like one guy who just happened to, you know. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Or just like someone who was out in, um, what did they call that? That small island off of the island. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the, the northern. Oh, yeah. The upper. Um, there could just been like, I don't know, one kid or one dude over in the upper smoking a joint. Yeah, um, for sure. I'm thinking cellars. Yeah. Wherever. Mm-hmm. That, that's yeah. where they should hide. In a bulkhead. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. I don't know like what level of um, like, you know how the vampires were able to see like the blood flow of the neck. It's true. I don't know if they're able, they didn't really specify if they're able to like see through walls and like sense life. We're also talking a population of 134. So they probably could like physically see like, oh, hey, did you kill Jenkins? Like, oh yeah, I killed Jenkins. Did you kill Florence? Like, oh yeah, I killed Florence. Like, <laughs> Poor Jenkins, man. He, had a, he went out rough. Poor Jenks. It's always the Jenkins. So, this, uh, so getting right to the all the killing isn't really in the spirit of the miniseries that we watched that really takes its time to get to that point. Yeah. But um, to to add a little, to flesh it out a little bit, we start with Riley, who's played by Zach Guilford. He's returning home to the island that he grew up on after four years in prison for killing someone while driving drunk uh, unintentionally. That's why it's only four years. And we spend some time with him and his family. Uh, it's it's really an ensemble show, but for the first half of it, he's pretty much the main character. Hmm. Uh, there's also Aaron, who is pregnant and left the island for a while, but came back and is now a teacher on the island uh, and a new priest in town. So uh, you mentioned the main character thing. Uh, did anybody else, and I, I can't remember exactly what episode it was, but sometime before he became not the main character, I started to get that feeling like, oh, he might not actually make it. Like, this could quite possibly not be his story. And it, it was pretty early on, I think. It yeah. was probably like three. I, I don't know. Sure. Um, It's definitely intentionally set up for you to think that this is going to be a lot about a kind of showdown between him as this person who grew up in this religious community and then... um lost his faith. I don't know if that's exactly the right word, but hmm. doesn't really believe in any of it anymore. And him versus the new priest in town. And they eventually start having AA meetings and these just long one-on-one discussions about the nature of God and why there would be, how there can be a God with all these bad things happen in the world. Why wouldn't they step in? All, all that kind of stuff we get to, but um, that ends up not being the actual showdown <laughs> of the series. I didn't pick up on that at all, but I'm kind of bad with that stuff. So, oh, well, just like who has the most screen time for the first three episodes, and then they end up not actually being like the main character. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it was probably like right before he was getting attacked. I think a lot of with the music and stuff like that, they kind of seemed to be leaning more towards like Aaron. And it was kind of, it started to get clear. And then like when he was going back there, it's like, oh, he's done. He's just done. Mm -hmm. Like, and I I didn't expect him to go the way he did though. They did a good job of that. I, I will give them that. Yeah, it takes a while for it to let you know what kind of story it is. And maybe this is a good time to ask, when did you guys key into this is about a town that is drinking the blood of a vampire? That's a good question. Yeah. I feel like like I can't pick out a, mm-hmm. a particular moment, but I think as soon as maybe when the miracle started happening and they they always were kind of hinting towards all right, the the priest is messing around with the wine. Like he's doing yep. something to it. Yep. He's adding something to it, something like that. So I think when that started to happen, that kind of crept up in my mind. Sure. So Lisa, the girl that's in a wheelchair at the beginning of the series, she gets out of the wheelchair and starts walking. That's the end of episode two. And then end of episode three is where um, Paul, who turns out to be Monsignor Pruitt, telling the story through flashback throughout that episode. And then the end of three is where he's, says like actually I'm this old guy and there is this big blood sucking humanoid creature in this cave um that had me drink its blood and I regained all these years of my life and vitality and stuff. So I guess at that point it's it's clear but there's one thing that sort of tipped I think on purpose towards the beginning one of the very first shots you see of Father Paul is he has this big trunk that he's sort of carrying around and um, I think you hear something like knocking from inside it in the first episode. And that's just in other vampire movies. That's how um, familiars move vampires around mm-hmm. is in big trunks. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The the other thing I thought when I saw the trunk, I was like, oh, that's Pruitt. Like he's, he's in the oh, trunk. Yeah. The old man's in the oh, trunk. Okay. Yeah. This guy has some like bad intentions. He threw the old man in the trunk and he's going to take over. I don't know. He's going to like diddle children or something. Mm-hmm. I also, <laughs> maybe it's because you said it, but I also thought he was a diddler. <laughs> yeah. I didn't pick up on that. Did not, did not pick up on the diddler. He was just, he was just weird. I don't know. Yeah. I did guess the Father Pruitt thing like almost as soon as he started talking to people because he like had very clearly intimate knowledge of their lives. He's like, oh yeah, no, the other guy told me. It's like, no, absolutely not. Like, you know, way too much. <laughs> I don't know how they didn't pick up on that e- either, especially some of those Islanders were around, but I guess they, they did show that she was more senile. I mean, they had to have yep. seen pictures or any, like, I, I feel like you, there's no way you, you don't even question it, especially yeah. with that level of, he seems but. like he was super old though. So there's not too many people from when he was, I mean, it, it's like weird though, right? Cause this guy, old. yeah, yeah. Cause it's not like he goes back to being a 20 year old. He's still, yeah. you know, around 40 ish. And the oldest man was at most, what, 90 conceivably? 90 seems fair. So, yeah. It's even a bit too old, if anything. Yeah, honestly, I'm just giving it the benefit of the doubt, but. Yeah, it's you know, okay. It, it, that's not how it works. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's not, it's not a huge, it didn't detract from my experience. It was really cool. That, that yeah. sequence in episode three, where it keeps going back to what, who you assume is father Paul at the time in the confessional and mm-hmm. he's sort of narrating the story. Yep. Just good shit. That was really good. I like the like carvings they did. Yeah. I, I was yes. hoping like they would have put those somewhere, but, uh, I think that was just a, a mental image. Yeah. That, 
those were cool. It has the blood coming out of the wrist and stuff, and then there's actual blood coming out of it. You know, just normal. Normal Catholic things. Normal Catholic <laughs> iconography. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's a good point. That is what Flanagan was keying into was the stuff in his words, not, you know, not making this up is what he said. Uh, the stuff that was the first time he was coming into contact with horror and sort of nightmarish imagery was from the Bible, mm. which is, you know, rivers of blood, angels being sent to steal kids from their houses and, and all that crap. Yeah, I mean, angels are described a lot of different ways, but some of them are with like a thousand different eyes, but are also like a beam of light. I mean, there's a reason they always show up and they go, be not afraid, like he was yeah. saying, because they look terrifying. Yeah. So Honestly, the demon in the show looked uh, nicer than what angels look like when they're described in the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the point that Pruitt makes is like, yeah, no, people are always afraid when they see an angel in the Bible. That's a great point. Yeah. And his his experience makes it impossible for him to interpret what's happening to him as anything besides literally being touched by an angel. Yeah. They really took that point and ran with it, (laughs) which is not something I would, I I guess, cause I don't know. I feel like most people nowadays, when you picture an angel, maybe it's cause of like images we've seen, or at least I've seen, it's always like very, you know, the feathery wings and they're Mm -hmm. very beautiful and, and angelic. There's um, there's definitely conflicting descriptions because I think in some of the Old Testament they'll describe them as like very beautiful and the most beautiful of God's creation. But then once you start getting towards the revelation into things, it goes a little uh, fever darker. <laughs> <laughs> well, think about like how people perceive what what Jesus would have looked like as a, just a white dude. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like that. Point. That's not yeah. There's yeah. There's a lot of no reason for that. There's been interpretation. A couple of makeovers throughout the years. Just yeah. a little bit. <laughs> Uh, also important to set up another main character of the show is Bev. Oh, oh I, we have some, <laughs> me and Noah have some stuff to say about Bev. So it's, it's really interesting though. They set up like, like all the best horror, the real monster is other people. <laughs> yes. Um, it's not usually quite so, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it, it's not really an exaggerated performance because these people exist. We all recognize this as a real person, but somebody this self-righteous and pious and condescending, patronizing all of that. Um, And yeah, good, good, good job by the actor because that she, you know, she sold it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's tough, where that's where my quote comes in because yeah, uh, fun fact about me I I grew up in a very very conservatively uh, Christian household like I it went to private school like when I was till like third grade and and all that other stuff so I've met uh, a lot of Bebs um, and and I found this this quote that I really like and this is from the Old Testament so this is like four thousand years ago or whatever but um it's just interesting BC. that they've been warning about these people for a while. Um, and it's just, uh, this is Isaiah twenty nine thirteen. The Lord says, these people come near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is only made up of rules taught by men. Wow. I mean, it's like black and white in the pages. Don't be like this. Yeah. <laughs> like, ugh. Absolutely. And that's, that's building, but throughout. And then eventually that is the comeuppance. Um, but there is a lot of time before that, that you can see that this is a community that she has really 
constructed in the image that she wants with her holding really all the power. Absolutely. Yeah, and the the way she wields like guilt and stuff like that is just like classic old lady in the mm-hmm. behavior. I can name like five people. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Bevs. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. total Bevs. No, we can all. I, I just got to go out and say it. Uh, I was really hoping she got violently murdered. Ah, yeah. <laughs> like I thought she was going to like. Also disappointed with the The, the scene where I thought she was going to die was when Riley's mother went out of the burning house to talk to her. And she was like on the ground, like dead. And she was coming back to life because she drank the juice. Um, and Bev was talking to a fellow with a beard. And I was like, she's going to wake up right now, stab her. She's going to kill her. And I was, I was like, very sure. I was like, this is going to happen. I said it to Noah and then they didn't kill her. I, I mean, I, I really like the way they did it because if you, you looked at uh, Hassan, uh, and his son, they they went peacefully. And like the fact that he had Hassan die like a split second before his son evaporated, beautiful. And and just the contrast of this woman who was so sure she's going to God's good graces, digging frantically in the sand for for another second of life, while these people who I mean they didn't come off as overly religious, they prayed a lot, but like a lot of people meditate or pray or whatever, and they just went. They went peacefully. They went on their way. And- mm-hmm. Yep. That that one of the most striking images, and, and it's one of those things where I'm, when I'm watching something and I can feel like a really great image being constructed, I feel like I'm rooting for them to pull it off. And the, all the townspeople singing, and then you're like, oh, and then I bet it's going to go silent. And then it does, and you're like, yeah, so good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it really earned being not subtle in that moment where the last act of Bev is frantically trying to put her head in the sand, right? So yep. um, it's really kind of nuanced for most of the run, I mean, in, but here and there you, you get to do those not so nuanced <laughs> things like that. So good. I actually feel better about it now, now that you pointed out the contrast between how the those two and a lot of them died actually in peace yes. and thinking if she had got killed she wouldn't have seen kind of everything fall apart and realize her well, yeah. I don't well know she, she, she was i think true. she was like freaking out at, at <laughs> them if i remember correctly she was like why why aren't people like yeah. worried or whatever and everyone well, was yeah. just like no. well, she d- denounces yeah. uh pruitt yep and he's yep. just kind of like whatever and he goes off um that that's all great stuff so one, one thing i do want to key into not to, we're obviously not going to hit beat by beat in order, but um, what did you think about the construction of how many monologues there are in the show and specifically in service of the AA meetings that Riley and Paul slash Pruitt take part in? I love those. I'd say it was so well done. I didn't notice there was a lot of monologues. Yeah. Like I would agree with that. <laughs> that's not something I I picked up yeah, on. Yeah, I didn't even notice. I super agree. I th- the the two performances by the central guys there, uh, Hamish Linkletter as Father Paul slash Pruitt and uh, Zach Guilford as Riley, are just absolutely bringing it. And um, I love that it doesn't really come down and say this person's right and this person's wrong. It has both people give well thought cogent points. They don't convince the other person, but you can tell that they actually do kind of build a relationship and have some respect for each other and where the other person's coming from. 
Yeah, I mean, we we got the whole like premise of religion wrong, I think. I I don't think any like organization could ever tell you what to believe because it's it's deeply personal. So the conversation they had is is the conversation every pastor should have with his congregation and and everyone should believe in a way that's that's suitable to them. Uh, I think once you start looking at the Bible in all religious texts, really, they they tell you all the same thing. It's it's the rules that are always different in how you enforce them. And I don't know. I just think it's nice to see that collaboration between a non-believer and a believer because those are great conversations. I haven't seen every piece of media ever made, but I definitely haven't seen something like this show before and specifically depictions of those kinds of conversations that are handled that well and certainly that are acted that well it was yeah it just really floored me mm-hmm. I, th- I think he's because I, I had watched a um an interview that he had done and i can't remember, remember exactly what he said but i think he kind of wanted to leave it open for interpretation like he didn't want the show to make any give any like final answers on every yeah. on, on like anything and want it to, to be like accessible and understandable to people from you know all to all walks of life, which is how those conversations should go. They should. I go. feel like yeah. they they should be an open ended because nobody's sure. Nobody can be sure. Yeah. So I feel like those conversations should end at a point where people are still unsure, but they're choosing to believe what they want to believe, and you know that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that should just be okay. And I like that neither of them told the other person they're wrong. Yeah. They were just like, okay, this is this is what I think because of this reason and that's just it. Yeah. yeah. Like I would love to have that conversation with anyone. Um if yeah. it wasn't for, you know, if they didn't end with a you're wrong or going to hell. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I think that's that's well said. So that's start, those start in episode two, but obviously continue throughout until Riley leaves the story. Um, in episode three, that's where the sort of religious revival is on full tilt. You get the confessional, uh, flashbacks. I forgot the word for flashback by uh, father Paul. It turns out he's father Pruitt, whatever. But that's also where Joe Colley, the town pariah who is responsible for the injury that paralyzed Lisa. Um, that's when he starts going to AA meetings and him going there is probably like maybe the most tragic thing the show does. Oh yeah. man. <laughs> and, and I mean, as soon as he started going and he was like, um, I'm happy and I have hope. I'm like, Oh, you're doomed. You're so doomed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. The conversation afterwards. And that's another great thing where Riley's really reserved and father Paul challenges him to say, you know, only you can help him right now. Only you can say something that's actually meaningful to him. And he tells him, you know, you're here. That's enough for today. It won't always be enough, but it's enough for today. I'm like, wow, this is really well written. Mm. Um, but yeah, them walking home and uh, the bit of information that Riley's story turns on is that Joe's sister is dead. Mm. Later, he'll be lied to about that, and that's how why he'll go snooping where he shouldn't snoop. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought the Joe stuff was was really good because he's sort of presented to you at the beginning is the way the rest of the town sees him as this this drunk loser that no one likes pretty much and uh with only in a couple scenes really they sort of generate a lot of sympathy for him and then obviously he's brutally murdered 
It, it was interesting. The question of Joe, because like, and I mean, you know, these communities and you know, he's, he's the drunk, he's been pigeonholed into that, that role. But, uh, it sounded like it was just a hunting accident. So I, I wonder if anyone else had been the person to shoot that gun, if it would have even have been, been a thing like it was, but it's just, you know, it's drunk old Joe that, that did yeah. it. So I don't know. Yeah, well, point. and also think about, he w- was a non-religious person, right? He was, that's probably even more yeah, than him. He being wasn't a part drunk. of the community. Yeah. Right. Cause I'm sure there's drunks that also attend that church, but he was the one that he wasn't part of the church, which collectively the church is the Island. <laughs> So I, I think, yeah, what was, Robbie said is like, if somebody else did it, they'd be like, oh, it was an honest mistake. God forgives you. Right. But what, this drunk that doesn't go to church, screw him. Was he always like that, though? Or did he turn into that man because of the accident? Well, that's what I guess is not clear is yeah, like how much of that was like him growing up. I mean, he grew up in a trailer, it looked like and the rest of his family oh, left. Yeah, like how much was him being a drunk and how much was him becoming a drunk? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he has family that's not on the island. And Riley asks him, you know, why didn't you leave? And he says he didn't think he deserved to pretty it's much. like classic Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> right. Yeah. He thought he should have to stay in this extremely tight knit community that all has decided and outwardly behaves like he is the worst person there. <laughs> Well, and he thought he deserved it. I mean, he yeah, wasn't exactly. going to go get free because he thought he deserved the punishment that they gave to him. Mm-hmm. Which is so crazy from a group of people that their entire religious belief is based on forgiveness. <laughs> yeah, I know. But that one guy, you can't forgive him. Well, yeah, it's it's selective, right? Mm, depends on the person. That that scene where the, the little girl goes to, to forgive him. Mm-hmm. That was powerful, man. Yeah. I thought the actor did a real... I mean, they both did a great job in that scene. It was but, like bone tingling. Like, yeah, for oh real. Oh, my God. Yeah, for real. Yeah, just stuff that you don't really see. Shout out <laughs> no. her. Especially charged to that degree. Mm-hmm. Just so good. Yeah, I, I I don't think there's a bad performance on the show. Um, so just as a blanket, good job, everybody. <laughs> um, because yeah. there's it is a really big ensemble cast. We're not going to mention everyone, obviously, but... Uh, this is also the episode where Father Paul dies in front of people and then comes back to life a few minutes later. Oh, yeah. Did he get poisoned by Bev? That's a good question. I wasn't clear on that. I, I thought she that. was testing his divinity. Because why else did they kill the dog? And that's what I keep going back to. is like They didn't really need to do that to show that she's she's nuts. And it didn't tie in in any other way except for her going to the poison room again right before Pruitt dies. I don't know. Um, I think he's also, I don't know if anemic would be the right word, but he's suffering from um, the angel not providing the quote unquote sacrament um, as as regularly as Father Paul needs. It seems like he needs more and more of it to keep going. That's, that's why I was on the fence about it. And I think where it came down to it for me is uh, who drank the cat's blood. Was it the monster or was it Pruitt? And I think it was probably the monster. Mm-hmm. But- the, yeah, because um, Riley, when the storm was happening, oh, saw him. Yeah, because he was wearing the jacket and the hat. Yep. So he yep. chased him down. Um, the One interesting thing you said about the poison there there's i can't remember exactly but there's a point where pruitt so pruitt died in that that cave with the the vampire right because that's how he became a vampire and, and got younger right i think they yeah. by the rules of the show why did the vampire give he, him blood i think it was because he he was dead right or almost dead yeah i think by the rules of the show he didn't die there okay that would make sense because he was able to stand in the light but yeah. there was it was after one point where he was no longer able to but mm-hmm. i don't think that was after he got shot right 
Well, he didn't get shot. Didn't he get shot right in the face? Uh, towards the end of it. Oh, oh yeah, no, no. Oh, so, so he yeah. dies at this point in front of the other people. They're they're all like in his oh, house when he and he starts walks foaming. out. And, yeah, so that yeah. was poison. That's what I because be, that's the same thing because that happened of the, to the dog. That's I, that's what I thought too. But so, but was he foaming or was yeah. he coughing up? That that's I. No, he was foaming, and I thought his eyes went red. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This, like it was very similar to what the. Well, the he dog. has been drinking a lot of bloods. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it was that like. I think what Robbie said when he, she grabbed the poison again, and I'm pretty sure she poisoned Pruitt. Um, pr- partially, probably because she didn't like the way he was doing things at first. He, she was more in charge when he was old, most likely, and could, now he's like changing things, and she doesn't like that. It could have been that. I mean, so the timing was right after uh, Lisa was able to walk again, and everybody was like kind of hailing him as a saint, and then. Did he die before or after he sucked out all Joe's blood? It was after, right? Oh, uh, it's before. It's before. before. Yeah, because then he can't go in the light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's when he was like holed up into his room. Okay. So he probably wasn't able to like access other ways of getting blood. Yeah. This so that's in episode four, but in episode three is where he dies. I might have to <laughs> uh I might have to go rewatch and see. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, we we've been talking for Good almost <laughs> for a little over 35 minutes about the show. And we haven't really talked about Erin yet, who is the main character of the show. Uh, so she's the, the school teacher on the Island. She had escaped. She had gotten off the Island and essentially kind of just like lived pretty hard for a while and then burned out, came back to the Island and feels like she's sort of destined to repeat her mother's footsteps. And they had a pretty complicated relationship because Everyone on this island has a complicated relationship with their parents. And yeah, so I don't know if there's anything specific you guys want to talk about with her, but she she has some of the best monologues and moments in the show, obviously. Is she the main character? Eventually. I don't don't know if I feel like she's... Like, I don't... That show, for the most part, I feel like doesn't have a main character. If you had to say one, though, it would probably be Pruitt. Yes. Well, she she's the one who gets a five minute monologue as she's dying. So oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. There you go. There you go. I, I but we that. did like the first, however many episodes it was. We did follow like just Riley. Mm-hmm. Well, and they then, they have a lot of scenes together too, where they're true. trading monologues about the nature of uh, what you think happens when you die and stuff. And I feel like that's kind of like a common like uh, I guess trick directors play when they're going to do a character swap on you. I, yeah, real nasty. Just a just a just a trick. Dirty yeah. trick. I mean, I'm just saying. You, you, you start watching the episodes, you think it's gonna be one character, and then like you end the series, and it's a completely different character. It's the old switcheroo if I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. So so uh, before we get there though, you should also mention the person that isn't actually going to church, but that Father Paul slash Pruitt is making a point to go see mm. is Mildred, who starts as an extremely old lady. That is very obviously a young person and in tons of old age makeup, yeah. um, which it, it for a while bad. is like, why did they do this? Why didn't they just hire an old person? It becomes clear yeah. Yeah. Um, as he is going to her house. She's bedridden. Um, her daughter lives with her, Sarah, who she, and she's the town doctor. And as a person who believes in science, isn't going to the church. It's not exactly that cut and dry, but it's, it's there. It's because she's a lesbian. And, and I was going to say, <laughs> and, all, and also because she's a lesbian. 
Um, that's Annabeth Gish who's playing that character really well. Um, I think of the main cast, the youngest actor is the one playing Mildred. I looked that up because I was curious. She's 29, the actress playing her. And I think everyone else is at least in their 30s or 40s. That makes sense. So, uh, but yeah, so she's a super old lady. She starts getting the sacrament from Father Paul. That sounds dirty. He's giving her, you know, <laughs> communion. <laughs> well, we never um, see it happen. And the so. quote unquote wine that is. give you the bread of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, the blood of the angel diluted with wine. And she starts aging in reverse. There you go. And that's why they needed a young person. <laughs> I, I feel like they shouldn't have used a young person with makeup on because it looked very fake. Like to the yeah, point where Noah and I were watching her like, that, that girl's like 22. <laughs> the, tra- yes. the transition from her being really old to starting to change is like, oh, okay, now she's like 25 now. <laughs> Dressed yeah. up as an old person. With gray hair. Yeah. The, the issue for me is not only was she in tons of old age makeup, but she was doing the kind of stereotypical. Like, <laughs> exactly. Hey there, kiddo. Do you want some hard candy? I'm very ashamed to admit I didn't realize that's oh, what they no. did, right? Until until you see her as like a 29-year-old. And my first, my first goddamn thought was, wow, how'd they get her to look so young? And then like I had to stop and I was like, oh my God, you giant idiot. Like <laughs> Yeah, she's like tottering around like this used to be my room. <laughs> it, it really ruined it, like ruined that character for me because the whole time I was like, really? Like maybe, maybe the one poor choice, Mike. That's all right. Ultimately musical, a pretty like, interesting on. character, but mm-hmm. the, the walk yeah, to yeah. get there is kind of kind of tough. Yes. And uh, it's it's probably the broadest characterization before she starts de-aging of an old person with Alzheimer's. Um, in, a, in a show where everyone feels like a real person and the, here's this, you know. Character of a person. Yeah, it's really a character of a person with Alzheimer's. Um, but I took my glasses off and now I can't read my notes. That was stupid. Hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, and just a quick note. <laughs> Earlier before, this is the episode where uh, Riley, he dies at the end of it for the first time. And... Before we get there, though, he has some scenes with Aaron, and one of the important things to point out is she talks about this traumatic childhood experience where her mom made her clip wings on doves, yeah, parakeets. Yeah. Well, I think she she was having her hold it while she was doing the clipping, right? And um, obviously, wing clipping as a theme comes back. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything else here? Oh yeah, yeah. it does come back, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Didn't notice that. Yep. <laughs> uh, this is where Father Paul begins, like just having vampire experiences. Um, I think I think this is where he has a kind of almost comedic moment where he he's in his room and it's all dark and the blinds are drawn and stuff, and Bev comes in and is like, "Hey, are you going to come do the church service?" And he went, yeah, about that. And he like holds his hand up in front of the sunlight and starts burning. Like, pretty funny. I'm a yeah. vampire. Very now funny. he's doing bits. I, I also like wonder, like, do you guys not have vampires in this world? Did you not? That, do you not know like the? Because like, I mean, I thought that too. It must not exist. Cause it it's, must. It's obvious. Yeah, it had to have not existed in like their universe or whatever. So I'm of a couple minds about it. It's either that or just the power. When this shit's coming, if you, a real person, was experiencing like just what you can see of all this phenomena, 
Are you thinking to yourself, it's probably a real vampire? <laughs> they didn't even say vampire, though. I don't think. Did no, they, they even mention it? I mean, maybe. Even when just... a vampire showed up, they were like, angel. Yeah. <laughs> Some people were like, get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. And other people were like, yeah, it's an so. angel. I don't know if it's just me, but I'm always ready for some some shit to go down. Like, as soon maybe. as something like that happened, I'd be like, oh, man, I've been waiting for this. Let me go get my main character back. <laughs> <laughs> but it's... It's the people experiencing this are the people who are going to church and, you know, getting communion. And those are the people who have the most tied up in this being a real miracle that's happening to them. That's true. And the least likely to believe it's actually a literal monster (laughs) Um, that is the cause for all this. So Flanagan, um, obviously, it's a conscious choice for no one to use the V word. Hmm. He wanted it to not sort of come with all the baggage when you think about a vampire story. There's over a century of vampire fiction and all the different rules and all the different story types that go into that. And that wasn't really what he wanted the focus of this story to be. So he didn't want anyone to ever use the vampire word. That's what he said. I mean, I don't know if I would call him vampire. It was more like a a blood-sharing demon because they didn't do the classic, like, bite the neck. They didn't do, like, garlic. (laughs) He bit a lot of necks. They did did a zombie bite the neck. They didn't do a vampire bite the neck. Oh, were you... Flash the fangs first and then yeah, dig in. Like, just do like a... Yeah, it wasn't very suave. They did like a, I'm going to rip your throat out and then like bleed blood into you. Like, it, I don't know. It was just, it was more visceral than like most vampire. I don't know. I, don't know. I think it was pretty I, I felt pretty... Van- like, they even saw the, the like carotid artery like glow up like, oh, that's where you need to drink the blood. Yeah. And it was like always the neck too, which is like the vampire yeah. thing. I, I see They didn't have saying, the teeth though. though. They definitely... Which yeah. I think I'm, I'm glad they didn't. Because it, it makes it a little less vampire Well, right. And it's just like the act of bleeding back into them is definitely a lot different than any vampire infection I've seen. Right. I thought yeah. that's how it works. Yeah, I thought that's how it works too. Yeah. If they give you the... Bl- isn't How does it work in Twilight? It's normally just if you're bitten, you become a vampire. It doesn't no, really... No, I think it, 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 it implies an exchange people. of fluids because it's about sex. You right? have to have well, sex in, with the vampire. In Twilight, it's the saliva, but... Oh, okay. But still, it's an, ex- it's an exchange of fluids, right? <laughs> yes. Pretend like I haven't read Twilight. I haven't read it or seen it. I'm not going to say exchange of fluids again. So, um, <laughs> good. Should make you one of those buttons. <laughs> exchange of fluids. Just like a reggae horn and exchange of fluids. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, he said it's it's not a traditional vampire story. He wanted to focus more on a manifestation of fanaticism and fundamentalism being what it represents instead of you know impure thoughts and sexual desire, which is more classical vampire stuff. That doesn't really come into it. It doesn't. I don't know. I I never really thought about the similarities between vampires and Christianity until like I, it was just like mind blowing to me because I was like, <laughs> oh wait. So what if you know? Well, theoretically, if Jesus was real, um, he, he was a vampire, got killed. They threw him in the tomb. Three days later, he woke up and was like, oh. Oh, okay. And you know, he he had probably had some kind of special power to move the move the rock to the side and then just dipped out of there. Yeah. Like 
That could be a, 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 just as reasonable of an explanation as we have right now. Well, then, I mean, he got absorbed into heaven, so he could have just been like, all right, I'm out, guys. Burst into, into the flames. Sun. <laughs> just, right? I mean, that looks like taking to heaven. Yeah. yeah. Also, the miracles. Like, yeah, he, he nailed it. I mean, yes, it's, it's just as reasonable as what they say, you know, what the Bible says. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, it's literally the blood of Christ being a huge part of Christian dogma. Yeah. Like, yeah. Watch as I make drinking blood normal. This is my yes. blood. Yeah. No, ignore what I'm doing over here. <laughs> so it's, 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 you know, literalizing the practice of everyone going to the front church and drinking the blood of Christ, which mm-hmm. happens in however many millions of churches around the world. Which mm-hmm. in Catholicism, many Catholics believe that when they're eating the cracker, Eucharist. the Eucharist, yeah, and drinking the wine, they are physically eating the flesh and blood of Christ as right. they're eating it. They get a fun word for it. It's transubstantiation. Really? Oh, jeez. That is a fun word. That is right? a fun word. Word of the day. Yeah. Word of the day. Probably never get to use it again. Um, <laughs> I mean, unless I guess I talk to Catholics about transubstantiation. <laughs> I feel like most, ca- most Catholics won't know what you're talking about. That's yeah. true. I don't I don't think a lot of them even realize it's supposed to be the literal embodiment of, of blood and body. No, I, I, I was, I mean, the I guy was says confirmed it, right? in the Catholic <laughs> Church. Yeah, but I was always like, oh, yeah, whatever. And then I went up and I was like, oh, this tastes like cardboard. And then they never even gave us the wine, um, usually. Oh, damn. Yeah. Same. All I got was a cardboard. <laughs> you can get grape juice? Nope. No. Oh, wow. Well. Nope. It wasn't until I went to a Christian church where yeah. I, I, I got some grape juice. Oh, okay. I went to the Christian churches. We got, we got grape juice. I did that brief stint at Bishop Conley, so I did get to do the Eucharist stuff, too. It was fun. Nice. They uh they straight up expel you if you try to steal one of those things and like do anything with it like they do not play around with the uh, Eucharist the Eucharist yeah so oh. you got like a three day immediate suspension for just taking an extra one out of the chapel oh my god yeah. I'm just hungry uh, very hungry yeah you have to be pretty hungry to <laughs> want to eat an extra double dip in in the Eucharist <laughs> yeah I used to just go in line twice. There you go. <laughs> Try to get a full meal. <laughs> Just keep going back. Extra right, right. This, this is the entertainment for for the yeah. Sh- shout out Europe. Didn't wasn't there a good amount of viewers from Europe? Uh, we had one German person. Good good on you. What up, Germany? Uh, guten Tag. <laughs> um, the only uh, thing I know how to say is I love you, and I'm going to do that. I do an accent, but it's probably offensive. So. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't want to lose our one German listener. Oh. We do appreciate their spread the uh, word. Tell your friends. Spread the word, brother. International. Or yeah. sister. Or sister. Yeah. Was it really only or one Diana? European person? Yeah. Right. Oh, it, it looked amazing. like it was way more. It was a. It was expressed as a percentage, so maybe that's. Oh, why that's yeah. Thinking. Okay. Um, but yeah. Hit us up. Shout out them. Shout out them. Uh, so also in this episode is where um, probably we, someone on a VPN. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought about. It. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. All right, this episode. Yeah, it's, it's probably one of the four people I know that have downloaded. It was me. Okay. <laughs> um this is also where we find out that erin not only has lost her pregnancy but it she goes to a doctor on the mainland who says she sees no evidence that she was ever pregnant at all imagine hearing that Mm. yeah yeah i did like how they portrayed that because she just was like very like 
I don't know what to tell you. I was absolutely pregnant. And they're like just reacting exactly how the hospital would react yeah, as well. Like, you, what can else? We, can we get you there? a meeting with our psych? Yeah, 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 exactly. It was very like, and like, at what point do you stop talking? I think they'll just like deer in the headlights, like comatose. I'm going to wander around now for a while mm-hmm. thing. That's just spot on. Mm-hmm. The, the doctor on the island. I thought she gave a really good explanation as to why that could be. Like she had a miscarriage, like possibly, you know, oh, right. at her home and like blocked it out. Because really traumatic experiences can be completely blocked out. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. If you're trying um, to yeah, rationalize it. And for her, that was that was quite traumatic. Um, little did she know. It yeah, doesn't no get much better. It was interesting because she never even got a chance to tell Riley about that before he went bye-bye. Like oh, yeah, she yeah. was so dazed and confused and he was so caught up in his own thing like she's waiting to tell him and then like bam he's out like oh yeah, I mean, he makes it quite the exit where almost yeah let, let's start let's go into hyperdrive here uh so this um there's a lot that happens in this episode father paul kills joe and drinks his blood up oh yep uh bev sort of really rudely uh disposes of his body by more or less uh threatening other members of the congregation to clean it up. I can't believe they just were like, yep, guess we're doing this. She just <laughs> yeah, threw a couple Lord's of Bible work. verses at So when she's yelling in the mayor's face, don't cherry pick the gifts of God or yeah. something like that. Which she yeah. literally does. It's like, I am definitely not cherry picking. This is not a gift. <laughs> <laughs> she, she refers to Joe's body as it repeatedly. Uh, yeah. mm. Not a nice lady. No. Uh, and you know, the pastor knew better because he specifically called out, um, wow, I'm drawing a blank on his name, other main character, Riley, Riley, and specifically mentioned who Jesus hung out with. And it was absolutely Joe's and not Bev's. So like, he, oh my God, he yeah. knew better than that argument as well. Yeah, absolutely. And he's, uh, I love how Hamish Linklater plays that scene where he just looks like super hungover, slumped in the corner, <laughs> but just covered in blood. And he's just like, I don't know what happened. He's yeah. just like, I, I jumped on him, and I guess it was just God acting through me. Yeah. It was like well, someone who had who got drunk and had like a bad one night stand, yeah. and it was just sitting there like, oof. Oh, it's or it's almost like Riley at the beginning when he was um after he killed after he killed yeah. the girl, he's just like, is she is she okay? Just yeah. like totally out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean truly. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of parallels in this between alcoholism and and what's going on in that. But it just kind of kind of dawned on me that that's like a very common, you know, you're you're drunk and it's oh, I didn't mean it, I was drunk, and it's it's Pastor Riley, like oh, I I had to suck his blood, it was God moving through me. Like those two excuses aren't exactly different. Mm-hmm. Like it's just an interesting way to portray that. I think that really drives the point home. Yeah, you're totally right. Riley talks earlier about the version of him that's drunk pretty much as a separate person Mm. with different, you know, that he doesn't have his own volition at that point. And that's also how father Paul talks about murdering Joe. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I have a question for, Oh, go ahead. You you finish. Oh, I was going to say the, uh, in the uh, thing I had seen with the director, the interview, he had said that um, he was, when he originally wrote, um, I guess Riley was the first character and he had, um, I forget how he put it, but basically it said at the time he was an alcoholic and he was in the midst of dealing with it. Yep. Wasn't sober yet. And that was his worst fear as an alcoholic. Oh yeah. Was to, uh, yeah, to be like a drunk driver to kill someone and not even realize what he had done. I, as we're recording this, I think that 
I follow Mike Flanagan on Twitter, and I believe just a couple days ago he posted that he was three years sober. So congrats, mm. Mike. Hey, word up. He's never going to hear this, but congrats. <laughs> congrats. Oh, he's Mike. listening right now. Yeah. Maybe he's in Germany. I hope he's not listening right now. <laughs> yeah, <'cause laughs> we're not live. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mike, come on out. <laughs> we have a very special guest. <laughs> this will yeah. boost the rate. This yeah. is Mike yeah. Flanagan. And That'd be great. I mean, he seems like a cool guy, but I don't Flanagan, think he's—I don't, I don't think he's quite cool enough to be like, "Yeah, I'll come on your stupid podcast." They can't see us. We can be anybody. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I got Brad Pitt here, Mike. You want to try it with Brad? <laughs> hey, Brad here. Yeah, that's a perfect Brad Pitt. <laughs> What's up? Not too much. Uh, this yeah, is, I guess, my Mike a, Flanagan. I'm just being Brad Pitt. <laughs> just do a celebrity impersonation podcast, right? Yeah. 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 We'll see if the I people know like what Brad Pitt sounds like, but I guess it's something like this. I kind of think he nailed it. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of it. He's just laid back and cool. I, yeah. I often get um, from people that I look like him. So there that's you go. true. Yeah. You sound like him, too. <laughs> I might be him. <laughs> maybe, maybe you are him. That would be a twist. Um, speaking of twists, uh, Riley dies at the end of episode four because he, after the AA meeting where he hears from father Paul that Joe isn't there because he went to visit his sister that Riley knows is dead. Riley, instead of following through on his plans to meet up with Aaron at her house, goes back to the rec center where he sees in person, the quote unquote angel, uh, refilling the carafe with his own blood and it turns around and kills him. Yep. Straight up dead. Straight up dead. So that is one, that is a sequence where they build up to it. They're cutting between Riley wrestling with the fact that father Paul lied to him. Mm. And you can see it's really bothering him again as he's walking to Aaron's house. But at the same time, father Paul is with the angel in the rec center and they're cutting back and forth and then you're like, oh, no, are they, are they, are they really going to do this? And then Riley's like, nah, I can't let it go. So he goes to seek out Father Paul. And the whole time you're like, oh, he's going to get there and things are already going to be gone, right? And uh, it's not. So he comes face to face with it and it kills him. Nope. It was obvious they were going to bring him back. Yep. Um, and I wasn't it, so sure. <laughs> yeah. We're coming up on an hour now. So just real, real quick, the last three episodes are sort of a sprint. But episode five is maybe my favorite episode of the series. It's the one where Riley has turned and there, there's some business in the beginning, but the bulk of the episode is he goes and meets up with Aaron and says, Hey, come on this boat and we're going to go here. We'll go just, you know, row out. He's had a recurring dream about being on a rowboat and seeing the sun starting to come up on the horizon. Hmm. And he goes out there and tells her what's happened to him in the last day. And then it, most of the episode is this flashback of him coming to and father Paul's in his chair for the AA meeting essentially. And, uh, they have a meeting about now you're a vampire. What's next? What? a Yeah. This, this sequence is awesome. I, I don't really know what else to say about it. Yeah. The, I'm glad you brought up the rowboat thing again. Cause I just realized, I think one of the last times he had that dream, she asked him about it. Like, Oh, did you see what's on the other side? And I'm pretty sure he said something along the lines of like, no, but you're there now. Yes. So it almost implies like he was always going to die on that rowboat. And at some point when him and, and Aaron connected that like future changed, you know, now she's on the boat when he dies. I, I don't know. It's just a very interesting um, hmm. yeah. thing that happened. Yeah. I like that detail for sure. This sequence where 
Father Paul is trying to get him to come to terms with the fact <laughs> that he's a vampire now. Obviously not using the V word, but still. Um, and they have another discussion. This time, Riley's really not on the same page as him. It's all right. It's okay. It's, everything's fine. Yeah. You're good. You just need a little bit of blood yeah. constantly. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I would love to know what the plan was. Like after you infect people, like, it, you know, do you just continue drinking blood? I, I, I think around here is where he starts giving very militaristic sermons and homilies. Mm. Um, so I imagine that the plan is world domination. Yeah. I think they were going to spread out. Yeah. Mm. I think Bev sees this as like, the second coming and this is judgment day mm-hmm. I think is actually like what they're thinking and I mean I guess it's the same problem every vampire story has but like what happens after you get everyone I don't know if anybody like do you just <clears throat> well we definitely switched to nocturnal business hours that's true that that's absolutely true <laughs> and I mean I guess Except you just like drink each other's blood I, 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 I bet they set up some kind of like blood <laughs> factory where they take the mm-hmm. sinners and like oh, just drain their blood consistently. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You'd have they to keep some up. alive. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for it. sure. That's, yeah. that's some vampire lord shit. Oh, yeah. no, that's terrifying. <laughs> it's not great. Season no. two. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely not great. Um, There's a vampire under a boat. I'm surprised none of them like flipped under a rowboat. I mean, there had to be a rowboat. I was, I was talking about Can you that? actually do that? Oh, well, I mean, I was just talking like even on the ground, like but just yes, they could oh. absolutely do that. I, I like, was on saying, water. I know it should also get pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Why didn't anybody go like, I don't know, in like a cave or, uh, under rocks or like they definitely could have found shit. Yeah, it was a big enough island then if, just from the aerial shots, not all of it's populated. So yeah, and there's got to so, be yeah, someone go hang out on the uppers. There, there's so much chaos. Certainly. I, I understood almost everyone just choosing to die. Like, yeah, but for Bev, at least it seems like there was a lot of places she could have went and, and hid yeah. this thing. All out. I'm saying is I would have survived. <laughs> Going to like a shady spot. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All you got to do is stay out of the sun. Grab an umbrella. Umbrella. There, there's yeah. plants everywhere. Man, you imagine that? Yeah. Like the sun goes to come up and it's an overcast day and they're just all fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was anticlimactic. <laughs> oh, wow. I think that it's, uh, yeah, for Bev, sure, because she's still trying to fight it. But it seems like everyone else is just like, yeah, nope. we're done. Yeah. We, this, that's we it for up. us. We messed up. Curtains. Yeah. Curtains. Yeah. Um, so... The sequence at the end, after he tells him about, after Riley tells Aaron about his day uh, while they're on the boat. And uh, yeah, that's so great. You know, Bev and Sturge come in and that bit is more Bev still being condescending to Riley, even though he's a vampire now. Mm. You could just see the jealousy dripping off her. She did a really good job with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, playing it really well. The end of that episode is... One of the more incredible things I've seen on television, I think, where Riley is finished telling the story and Aaron's like, so did you take me out here to scare me? Or she's wondering like, oh, okay, are you about to kill me or what's going on? And he said, no, I I came out here so I couldn't get away. And you started going like, oh, okay, I get it. Um, (laughs) Well, and consider her past. She was straight up abused like that was a pretty big step for her to be like out there with him yeah alone oh my god yeah yeah no doubt and she and he you know says that he loves her and she says that she loves him too and he says i'm really sorry you have to see this but i need you to believe and i'm hoping that this will be shocking enough that you just keep rowing to the mainland talk about trauma but i know you won't at a rough couple of days yeah uh, that part's great where he's like, I hope this is enough to get you to get the 
fuck out of here, but I know it won't be. So good luck. Yeah. He got her halfway there too. Cause she says later like, Oh, I couldn't row all the way. And it's like, I rode half of the way. Like she, he did everything he could. It was, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Or honestly, if you, I mean, I guess you don't know at that time, like if you wait one day, they're all going to be dead. <laughs> you could just like, whatever. Um, you can survive for a day, right? Just hanging out there. It'll be uncomfortable, but you won't you get, get back in next dawn and you're yeah. done. Yeah. It'd be fine. Um, but, but anyway, that's, that's beside the point because Riley sees the sun coming up as he never quite got to that point in his dreams. The sun always just started coming up before he'd wake up and he sees for the first time, a non horrific version of the girl that he killed in that car crash. She grabs his hand and he stands up. You imagine that that's sort of him forgiving himself, probably something like that. And uh, it's such a good cut from this idyllic, peaceful depiction of him coming to terms with his own guilt, standing up in a sort of blissful state. And then it just cuts back to reality and he is fully combusted and Aaron is screaming and then the whole credits is just her screaming and the sound of the ocean. It's brutal. Yeah, it was like you you can't talk while that's happening. Nope. It, yeah. You feel that. I didn't even like skip it. It just no. was like, no, I'm gonna sit here and feel this. Like, it yeah, was, absolutely. Yeah. I, I did the same thing. I was one one of the more annoying times that Netflix is like, next episode in five seconds. Like, Fuck off, Netflix. Wait. <laughs> Yeah, that was... Uh, Let art happen, Netflix. It was very beautifully done. I mean, I, I there's very few things that I can say and I've seen in media that will stick with me for as long as that. That like, will. That, that will, yeah. I agree. Um, so, yeah, I, I wanted to make... Uh, I was just spend some time on that particular thing, but um, we're a little over an hour now, so we can sort of speed around the rest of it. Aaron goes back. She goes to Sarah. Everybody's dead. Finish. What and, else uh, option did she have, though? She lost Riley. She lost the baby. Fuck it. Let's just go take this yeah, on. Fuck no. that. Yeah, no, like, I think, yeah, that's where she becomes sort of like this mentality of a badass where she's just like, fuck these people. Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna to make this right. So she goes and seeks out Sarah, the doctor, who uh, is more ready than Aaron thought she would be to believe her because she's been taking blood samples and they're burning up, up in the sunlight. Mm-hmm. Great conversation. Yep. And so you're like, okay, so here the, the teams are forming for the final confrontation here. Mm-hmm. The hand-washing story is 100% true. Like, that's a real thing that happened in history. Like, that scientist died in an insane asylum because he suggested people wa- wash hairs. Oh, like, yep. that was such a good, like, yep, it's batshit insane. And uh, it's bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Sarah goes and talks to the sheriff. Um, who in response to being told like, Hey, can you please just go check out the church? Gives a long monologue about nine 11. Yep. And <laughs> I don't want to say it all started with nine 11. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, it's kind of the point he's making. Um, so at that point, the, the lines are sort of drawn in the sand. Everyone shows up to the midnight mass, the, the red mass. Yeah. Aaron, Mildred and Sarah tried to get off the island, but the ferries had been sent away and Sturge had locked down all the boats. And which then, come on, 
Come on, Sturge. No, I mean, they're like, they like, couldn't have unlocked There's the no books. one who can bring us to the shore, and Sturge is like, nope. And they're like, all right, Sturge. <laughs> I, I really love that. Like, oh, but somebody could just drop us off real quick with a boat that's standing on one. Sturges. <laughs> yeah. So uh, as everyone heads to Midnight Mass, they cut the power on the island. They cut the cell service on the island. And then you have this sequence that was like another one of these where you know, you've had all this buildup, this really careful plotting and this momentum leading to this point, And you're like, all right, so what are they going to do at the Midnight Mass? <laughs> the show is named Midnight Mass. Here's the Midnight Mass. It's Easter Sunday. And uh, all the townspeople are there. Even uh, even some of the non-believers are there. And stuff goes off. The, the angel is also there. Yep. It went down. Yep. Yeah, Hassan is like, oh, screw this, after the beginning. Just immediately. And uh, he goes down the aisle and sees that, yeah, there's the angel in full priest robes standing in the back of the church. Cool sequence. Very cool sequence. <laughs> uh, definitely right reaction there. Immediately start shooting. Just like immediately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, well, that's clearly a monster. It's like, it, okay. I, I don't know what this thing is, but it needs to die. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you put in priest robes. Even better. <laughs> I mean, seriously. You look good. So it slowly walks to the front of the church. It, it doesn't have uh, any lines or homilies to give, but it just, you it's know, spreads like its wings. Seven and a half feet tall, too, because Father yeah. Pruitt is really tall. So, like, yeah, giant enormous. monster. Yep. So it's this huge thing. It's got a huge wingspan. <laughs> it's wearing the priest robes, which I know that's not the word, but whatever. We know what we mean. And uh, this is where all hell breaks loose. Mm hmm. Importantly, in this scene where the, I think it's the first person to drink the poison is Sturge and then Ali. Um, and we haven't not noted yet, Ali, who is Hassan's son, one of Warren's friends. Warren is Riley's brother. And I'm only pointing this out because Warren's other friend is named Uker. <laughs> Wait, is that really his name? Oh, the, uh, the other... So, yeah. Dude at the church. Curly hair kid. Yeah, yeah. The other altar boy. Altar boy. I believe his name is Uker. I'm hoping that's his last name. And that's just, just a very solid. Um, uh, Booker's his last name. Just a Uker Booker. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like something like a monster would say when it pops out of the closet. Yeah. Uker Booker. <laughs> Are we getting a little slap? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. So I just feel like that's another kind of, I don't know. Especially their scene, I want to go all the way back, but at the beginning of the series where they go to the Uppards and they're just like bullshitting and getting high and talking about girls and uh, making fun of everything because they're teenagers. Mm. It's a very Stephen King-esque vibe because that is how young men talk to each other in Stephen King novels too, <laughs> which is pretty vulgar, uh, pretty sexualized. Yeah, you know, anyway, point being, we're at Midnight Mass, the angel's here. People are drinking poison and dying and then coming back to life and um, turning into vampires. And then some people are like, no, thanks. Let me out of here. And the people who are turning into vampires are like, actually, no, I'm going to eat you now. <laughs> Instantly. Yep. They're just so, like, hmm, got to kill. Was not part of the plan. It's just interesting. Like, what was your plan? Because they were like, oh, we're going to peacefully wake them. Are, are you? I don't know how that's going to go. Yeah. So Hassan tried to shoot it, but he lost his gun. 
Uh, Mildred picks it up and shoots Father Prude in the head. Hmm. Oh, yep. And um, so the point I was trying to make before is that the angel then picks up Mildred and goes outside and kills her. But a lot of people die in this scene and the angel doesn't kill any of them. It's just other people, Mm. which is, you know, the point, I guess. It had a lot to live up to and sort of a lot of buildup, but I feel like it does kind of capture how manic and just insane this this bit should be. But it most very, mostly everybody turns. It was very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially when at the beginning when some of them are taking it, other ones aren't. It's just people dying. Yeah. Of you know from the poison, just like gurgling on their own blood and passing on the floor. People are panicking. I think they really got Kool Aid. You you just you'd really hope at this point if you're in a church and somebody offers you something that's going to kill yourself, we just know like we've seen this before. Don't do it. It's yeah. clearly like a bad sign. Never yeah. works out. Ugh. Guess they didn't have the Jim Jones clan and all that stuff in yeah. the universe, too. Well, it still they happens it in our world. Flavor. Yeah, it maybe does. they should have. Everybody would have been like, oh, Kool Aid. I love Kool Aid. Kool Aid Man, when it came to stop it. <laughs> this is another sequence that's like, yeah, I don't think I've seen anything like this before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where people are just killing themselves, coming back as vampires, and then, you know, townspeople start biting each other's necks. Yeah, as far wild. as impact, like it reminded me of like the Red Wedding. That's what yeah. I was thinking, from, too. Um, G-O-T, yeah. Game of Thrones, yeah. Yeah. So importantly, Mildred had shot Pruitt in the head. So he's out of commission for the next bit. And uh, who takes control of the mass of vampires? Obviously, Bev does. She steps in. And Father Pruitt had said, keep the doors locked because we need to talk to everybody. We need to get them on the same page. Mm. He wants to give them the same conversation that he had with Riley earlier. And Bev said, actually, open the doors. Let him go. Let him uh, let him spread this gift over the town, and so she turns them loose, and they start basically pillaging the whole town. Yep, yeah, they go wild. Yep. Absolutely nuts. Then uh, she makes a series of decisions. So that's basically the end of episode six. And then the final episode, Pruitt reunites with Mildred, who got killed by the vampire, but because she had been drinking the blood, she comes back as just an unmakeuped twenty nine year old. And um, her and Pruitt reunite, and he says, yeah, I wanted to bring this here so you and I could have a second chance. And uh, then you're like, oh, he's just one of these guys. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. Classic. Yeah, I wanted to kill this entire island just to get a second chance with you. Yeah, it's like there were other ways, dude. You, yeah. had, you had to bring it here? Maybe just like put put some of its blood in a Gatorade bottle, bring it back on the plane. It would have been a lot easier through customs. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, how did he get that thing back? Uh, just, it no, seemed like a lot of effort. Yeah. Oh, he seemed yeah. to like come back on boat. Yeah. Oh, okay. They yeah. don't check things? I think in, yeah. internationally on boat? In movie logic, they don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think in that flashback sequence, he talks about how hard and difficult it was to bring it back. Yeah. Um, Could have smuggled cocaine with it and made the money back. Yeah. That's true. I don't know if that was also in the cave, but he should have looked around more. Or weed. Apparently, there was a high demand and only one seller of yep. drugs mm-hmm. on the island. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. And he, he gets it pretty bad, too. Yeah. But, Who's the first? Yeah. He does mm-hmm. get pretty badly eaten by the vampire, too. Uh, um, Yeah. So this last episode is now about Warren, who gets away. The other altar board doesn't. Uker. Poor Uker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warren gets away, meets up with a kind of this, this was sort of something they did on purpose. That was like, well, it was about Riley and uh, 
Father Paul, but now the the final showdown is really Bev directing these monsters to attack everyone. And you've got Aaron, Mildred, and Sarah. Well, actually, Mildred sort of takes herself out of this. Mm. Uh, Aaron and Sarah. Like, oh, we have romance things to do. You guys yeah. save the world. <laughs> um, the mo- Riley's mother, who's also Warren's mother, mm. and Warren, and uh, Hassan's also in that group, right? Yeah. Is there anyone else in that group? They take off. They're they're trying to hide. No, that's all of them. I think that's all of them. Yep. So then this last episode's you know it's great. They they're they're hiding. They go to Aaron's house. Bev comes and tries to confront her. Mm. Warren slash Riley's mom goes outside and uh, stabs herself in the neck so she can bleed everywhere to distract the vampires while everyone else gets away. Totally samurai style too. She yeah, just like badass move. Did it. Badass. Mm. Just did it. Didn't even yeah, think. Tough way to go, but she does it. Oof. Yeah. Um, I like that the the sort of the final note on her and the dad who, who we haven't talked about at all, but he's kind of just there being like, I disapprove. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to show emotion. I'm just going to represent myself with yeah. anger. Yeah. I do like that when they meet up later, they're like, did you eat anybody? Yeah. No, I didn't eat anybody either. <laughs> Great. Oh, I'm really happy we didn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which, which I guess underscores the fact that everyone had a choice to not, you know, murder and rampage through the town. Mm. Um, but I do think it's a nice note that they're just like, this went badly. <laughs> we are getting out of here um, in a sense. Uh, so yeah, the rest of the people, the adults go to the rec center to try and burn down that in the church. And the kids go to a rowboat to just sort of row out into the ocean. Yep. Which is probably the right move. Great Definitely. Move. Fantastic move. There should, they should have like rowed out there and like bumped into like six other boats. Like, yep. oh, you guys are all out here too. <laughs> yeah. like, Do you yeah. see what's going on, baby? Yeah. Nuts. Um, so the adults also burn all the boats because the plan of the vampires is to proliferate by going to the mainland. And they mm-hmm. know we can't let these guys get to the mainland. Yep. So they burn all the boats besides this one rowboat, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they go to the rec center and church Little do they know their plan is helped by Bev, who tells the townspeople, actually burn everything besides the church and rec center. Because as always, I think in the very first episode, she says, oh, no, the 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 shelter from the storm has to be the church. Mm-hmm. People know this is where they go. This is the shelter. This is the designated shelter. It can't be anywhere else. Um, so she says, OK, so burn everything besides that. So people have to come here. Mm-hmm. And then the real part of her plan is that so when people come, she can have the power of turning them away, mm. which is what she really wants to do. Yeah, no, no. It just, it, it makes sense. She's got them under their thumb. Of course, nobody's going to say no to her, but it's like, oh. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that's that's what's happening in this sequence as the remaining human adults are trying to burn this down in sort of secrecy. Um, a couple things happen. Bev is turning away the one dude and saying like, oh, you never went to church. Yeah. I never saw you here before. Uh, I don't think we have room for you. And then Sturge is kind of disillusioned with her at that point. Mm. That's also what makes Father Paul say, we got this wrong. <laughs> mm. Again, I love how he plays that. The acting is just so good. But he, he sort of looks around, seeing Bev turn someone away, mm. just sort of looks down at his hands and goes, we got this one wrong. (laughs) 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 Misread Uh this one. (laughs) Um, Bev calls him a false prophet and just turns on him and he goes like, I don't care. Uh, He heads into the church and sees Sarah and confesses to her finally that she's his daughter. Uh, 
and she says, you know, they, they both agree they, sh- they would have appreciated having more time together. And then Sturge shoots her, I think. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Just directly in the head. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Pruitt tries to give her some of the blood as she's dying because she hadn't gone to church. So she didn't have it in her system. She spits it out. What were you thinking, man? Yeah. <laughs> like at that point, like, no, your daughter no. Dying. I, yeah. know, I know. Yeah. Good for her for spitting it out. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Solid job. She did the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the other building, the people who are trying to burn down the rec center get discovered, and which is Aaron Hassan. Yep, that's it. So, uh, oh yeah, Has- just them two. Oh, yeah. They see Hassan. He gets shot in front of the church. Bev calls him a terrorist. Very rude. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and then he's like, "Well, I'm not the only one here." So Aaron comes out from inside, and it turns out she was inside the building while he was outside spreading the gasoline around. As she's about to throw the lighter, the angel attacks her. Then she starts dying yeah, quickly. <laughs> um, but inside, Father Paul and Mildred decide to burn the church down anyway and walk away with their daughter. While Ali, seeing that all these people have turned on his dad and are calling him a terrorist and stuff, even though he's a vampire, he burns down the rec center. So now there's nowhere for anyone to go. Mm-hmm. That's really it. I mean, there's character beats, obviously. There's that really great monologue that Aaron gives Mm. where she's imagining a conversation with Riley where she's getting like a second chance to answer. What do you think happens when you die? Um, As she's dying, she thinks about that and also is literally cutting the wings of the vampire Mm. in hopes that it won't be able to fly away. I've been talking for a while, but we're we're like pretty far into this. I just want to get through it all. (laughs) Yeah, almost done there yeah so any reactions to that yeah i mean the vampire still somehow uh is able to partially start flying away which shouldn't be able to happen but um it's having some trouble though they they left it Mm -hmm. in a point where it's like he could have survived i mean they said it would be like pretty hard for him to make it like 30 miles or whatever right i'm pretty sure he didn't and i think the reason they did that is uh liza she said um I can't feel my legs anymore. And the moment yeah. that she said that was right when the sun came up. That, that's what so I thought too. Like, oh, okay. The but timing the, of you that, know how okay. like in movies, if they don't show it, that's you true. don't know. Yeah. So that's why I was like, oh, they're going to like spin this off in another, mm-hmm. another season and be yeah. like, actually he fell down into like yeah. the water and I don't know. Survived. Yeah. So Flanagan said it's supposed to be um, ambiguous and and he said that he doesn't think that's necessary he, he thinks any interpretation is fine because the show doesn't offer an answer and isn't supposed to mm. he doesn't he wasn't intending that to be the point that you get from her feeling her legs again oh okay there's just earlier in the show where the doctor says like oh maybe it's like some diseases where it just works itself out of your system if you don't take it for a while oh gotcha. um so the point was supposed to be that like oh she's going back to normal because she hasn't like taking it for a while. So the other people could have went back to normal. Uh, if they hadn't died first, but everyone had died at that point. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Yeah. If you had just stopped and stayed a human, you could have been fine. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially. Yeah. But he also said that, you know, that interpretation's fine too, because it doesn't answer it in the show. So whatever you get from it's what you get from it. Hmm. I will say when she was cutting the wings, and I don't know if you were supposed to get this impression, but it did feel like almost like motherly when she kept like, oh, no, 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 put, put your mouth back here and like just kept yeah. nursing them back to her neck is what it felt like. Mm-hmm. It, it was just an interesting like 
way to display that as she was cutting the wings. I, I don't know. Yeah, there was definitely, I, I picked up on, you know, there's some intimacy there too. I got more of like a, a more of a sexual vibe from it okay. personally, but I, I don't think either is wrong. She watched Twilight. Mm. She watched Twilight. But yeah, yeah, how she's kind of like gently pushing it back into her neck. It might have just been the angle because I felt like it was more of like a breastfeeding angle. Yeah, I think that works too. I mean, it doesn't obviously tell you which one it is. No. Oh, Oh, that's more the vibe that I got. That's like a nurturing kind of vibe. Yeah. I will say when he was like on top of the other people in the house, that definitely had more of a sexual vibe when he was like in the like the the darkness, like mm-hmm. just kind of. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they were even on a bed, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. <laughs> There's a camera in the back. And, and I like the detail that it's just like so into it that like it d- earlier in the house, people are like shooting a BB gun at it and it's just like, fuck off. Yeah, and then it just tries not to break stride. And, and then the same thing while she's clipping its wings. Um, Some good blood. Good show. Which, I mean, the demon's supposed to be addiction, right? That's kind of a, what he's displaying. So it's just interesting. Like, no, it does not care. It needs its fucking fix. And yeah. that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. I, I'm surprised. And I think I know the reason why. I'm surprised this show wasn't more popular than it is. Like, I, I don't see a lot of things about this show. And it's because it came out the same time, Squid like Game. around the same time of Squid Game. Yeah. And Squid Game blew up. And I felt like it kind of casted a shadow onto midnight mass and a a lot of people are missing out on it Mm -hmm. we'll see it's still spooky season i think it has time to come back up as like a it's it's stayed consistently it has stayed consistently in the top 10 on netflix uh since it came out obviously squid game's been number one that whole time um but yeah i think i think people are seeing i think you know it's one of those things where i follow a lot of nerdy film twitter people um, the good ones, though, not not the not the bad ones, um, yes. and they're talking about it. So it's like the cool, smart people are talking about it, which is why this episode's happening. Obviously, exactly. Well, after this releases, I'm sure it'll get another bump. Mm-hmm. You're oh, welcome, right, Netflix. Yeah, you're welcome, Netflix, Mister Netflix. Germany. You owe us ten dollars <laughs> at least. I don't know. Yeah, they'll greenlight a show about us. Das Netflix. Yeah, yeah, fire it up. Um, so yeah. Where do you think this is set? Where Where is Crockett Island in your mind? I, New England. I think it's in New England because I I mentioned this to Corey. There's a, a point where they're talking about, um, I think it's, I can't remember exactly, but um, they mentioned SNAP benefits, which is like um, like EBT benefits, um, like food stamps. But I, fe- I think it may be exclusive to like this, like mass. I don't know if that's true or not. Good, um, good pickup. But that was something I picked up on. I was getting Seattle vibes because I was still thinking like islands and they mentioned a spill and I couldn't think of anywhere where there would have been a spill except for that side of the... Oh, yeah. Because I did think there was a spill up in Alaska. We've had some. There was one in Buzzards Bay not that long ago. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was that real one bad. real quiet. <laughs> I didn't hear anything about that. Yeah. Did the director say? No. So they specifically didn't say, and I guess, it, I mean, it doesn't super matter to the story. But most people are are picking up on the Stephen Kingy vibes, mm-hmm. so that would be you know Maine, Maine, um, and the fact that he's from Massachusetts and you know Catholicism isn't in a ton of the United States, so off the coast of New England somewhere okay. makes sense. That's what That's people true. are guessing, but it doesn't say in the show, so it can be wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of crazy accents that some people have made me think maybe Maine. Mm. I was thinking that like those weird islands off the coast of the Carolinas where people have British accents. But 
I don't know. That I figured was it was thing. something like that. It's uh, it's not British. It's, it's uh, original colonial. Colonial. Right. It's yeah. like the closest. It's it almost never changes. It's really weird. You can't understand them. Oh, yeah. Exactly. They're high, high titers. It, it's really weird. They they most co- in common with I think Southern England. Their accent is. It's filmed in Canada. Yes, British Columbia because that's what has yep. the best tax benefits. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. Yep. So mm-hmm. on islands near Vancouver, I think. So uh, what did you think about the design of the angel? I thought it was really cool. And I always appreciate having, um, it was obviously a dude in makeup, not the wings, but Hmm. the actual thing was a dude in makeup and having the practical effect like that when it's flying, it's CGI, sure. But Hmm. I still thought it was was a pretty cool looking creature. Yeah, they did a really good job. I thought it was good. It was really, really scary. (laughs) Yeah. The the first time you see it when uh, it's the flashback to Pruitt in the cave Mm. and uh, he lights the match and you just know something's going to be right in his face and and there it is. Yeah, they do a good job with that. Oh, there was one thing that I had thought of that I wanted to mention earlier. Um, Yeah. So after uh, Riley disappears, obviously his family is like looking for him. Um, And so his father, uh, he gives everybody a letter, well, not everybody, a lever, a uh, letter, but he gives his parents a letter, right? Yep. Basically, parents, almost like a uh, suicide note kind of thing. Yeah, he gives Warren and he gives Father Pruitt. One to Father Pruitt, yeah. I don't think they really go into um, the ones that he wrote to the other uh, people, but the one, the father ends up going to Father Pruitt to see if he knows where Riley is, and he basically plays dumb, and um, so he gives them the letter from him to Father Pruitt, and he opens it, and it says something to the effect of, um, we all came from dust and to dust we will mm-hmm. return. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Yeah. yeah. It's a Bible verse. Which I thought yeah. was, uh, yeah, I thought it was really good. Which they did all literally turn to dust. Turn to ashes. Yes, they yeah. did. Dust. Yeah. So, so I guess just to put a button on it, we talked about the ending, but the, the kids are on the boat. Most of the adults are on the island singing until they're not. And uh, Bev's trying to dig a hole on the beach to stick her head in. And um, you just see these you know, bright glowing lights sort of spread across the island from a sort of aerial view. Mm. And that's how it ends. Really cool stuff. Mm. Great, great show. Um, I liked it. I loved it. wonder where the kids yeah, are going same. from you there. I loved like, it too. Like, what are they doing? <laughs> I know, right? Like, do they go to the mainland and go, you're not going to believe this, <laughs> but we are children and need your help. <laughs> I, I mean, anything they say... It's going to be a gas leak. It's absolutely a gas leak. They're going to be like, oh, it looks like the island had a massive gas leak, blew there's, the whole thing up. There's no way. Yeah, no I, I really just want, they didn't get to this one guy's shack and he like stumbles out of the woods and he's like, what happened? <laughs> Where is everybody? <laughs> Everything's burned down and people are dead. They, they're just going to say like, oh, there was a, a big conflagration. All the bodies were caught in it, and then they all burned up, right? Oh. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're the kids, you just say like, I don't know what happened. Everyone went crazy and uh, go check it out. Yeah. Just, yeah. What, what I was thinking was um, Hassan's body will still be there because yeah. he never went vampire. <laughs> he uh, just he just normal died. Unless it gets. Yeah. I mean, he's on the beach. So. Sa- Sarah, too. It's not Sarah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So there'll at least be two bodies there. By the time someone gets there, maybe, maybe not. Like Hassan is on the beach. You know, maybe there'll be a high tide and it'll get swept out. But. Oh, yeah, yeah, because there's not even going to be bodies. I mean, I guess they could technically well, find like DNA if they, like, try to test the ash piles. Yeah. I, I, uh, That's a problem. 
That'd be a big, not big our problem. Project. Not our problem. But yeah, that's where the show ends. Great show. Looking forward to more stuff from Flanagan. He's been on a ridiculous pace of putting stuff out. So I, I, I didn't look up if he's working on something right now. Hopefully he's taking a break. You deserve it. Yeah, yeah. When you make something like this, you can you can take a break. So, yeah. uh, any, any final thoughts on Midnight Mass? Go see it. Yeah. Watch it. That's great. So I do have a game if you guys are into it. Um, oh, I'm always down for it. All right, cool. So this is called Halloween Before and After. There's a, a category on Jeopardy that comes up often called Before and After. Basically, I'll give you a clue that actually has two different things in it, and you have to sort of put the right beginning with the right end. The first part of it, the last word will also be the first word of the next part of it. It's all just like one run on sentence. And uh, once you get the first one, you'll, you'll understand what I'm saying. Okay. Some of these you're probably not going to get, but it's okay. Um, Do we raise our hand to answer? I think just talk. Shout just talk. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I realized once I finished this, most of these are it, the two things are both movie titles and like the end of one title is the start of the next one. I'm screwed. But some of them are just two nouns and I can't help you with those. Sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> I should have all done one of uh, just one or the other, but I didn't. So, hey, whatever. Sure, figure it out. This one's probably the easiest one. So, uh, uh, but just to see how it works. Famous author and horror icon who has written at least 81 books and was also attacked by planes while climbing the Empire State Building. Stephen King, King Kong? Just Stephen King Kong. But yeah, Stephen you got King it. Kong. Oh, I see. oh, okay. Oh, I get it. Now. Yeah. So I Noah's was like Stephen one. King, but I don't understand what, what we're supposed to do here. Yep, 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 yep. So Noah's got one. All right. Oh, this one's fun. Throw your water at him. This one's We might not even do all these. I think I wrote eight, but we might not do them all. Some of them are pretty obscure, but I had fun. <laughs> this 1999 comedy is about a group of high schoolers who decide to lose their virginity by the end of their senior year and also plunder islands in the Atlantic tropics. The Goonies. <laughs> that was an eighties movie. I know it. So the I don't first think one is American Pie. Yes. In the oh, American Pirates of the Caribbean. Yep. Oh, very good. Oh, good job. Nice. I knew what the two movies were, and I was like, "How do I make this a thing?" Oh, I, I didn't even realize it. It was two different movies. Yeah. Uh, this one's also two different movies. Okay. <clears throat> Jason Voorhees puts on a hockey mask and Jennifer Garner ages 17 years in this coming of age comedy. Friday the 13th going on 30. Yeah. <laughs> oh, crushing it. Good job, Robbie. Nice. You you definitely had a lot of fun making this, didn't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was fantastic. Uh, this one's a little more abstract. <clears throat> um, it's a, a song and then a movie. I think I'll tell you what the category is because otherwise it'll be a lot harder. Okay. <clears throat> song and then a movie. This Simon and Garfunkel song oh God. famously featured in The Graduate was the basis for a 1991 Best Picture winner about an FBI agent who seeks help from a serial killer to track down a serial killer. I'm not even going to be able to Oh, um, no The Sound of Silence of the Lambs. Yes. Nice. Mm. Wow. Nice. <laughs> That's good. <clears throat> All right, so this is going to test your uh, knowledge of 1990s one-hit wonders. Oh, good. <clears throat> oh, my expertise. Yes. This British pop band had a hit in 1991 with I'm Too Sexy and also began haunting the dreams of sexy teenagers in 1984. 
Uh, Ooh, I don't know. Oh, that. hold on. What, do the second part again. Uh, I'll do the whole thing. Okay. This British pop band had a hit in 1991 with I'm Too Sexy and also began haunting the dreams of sexy teenagers beginning in 1984. Uh, well, it's right said Freddy. Oh, I can't think of his last. <laughs> Kruger. Yeah. Yeah. Right said Freddy Kruger. I guess that's a tie. Yeah. We, we should get a half point on that one. I, sure. I just said Kruger. I can't believe I couldn't think of Freddy Kruger's last yes. name. I, I still, what, what's the thing together? Yeah, yeah. Right, I, right said Fred is the name of the band. Uh, and and Freddy oh, Krueger is haunts. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I knew the Freddy Krueger part, but I was like, I, I don't know. I can't believe I just blanked on his last name. Wait, yeah, it, Freddy. This is the song. It's, it's like I'm me and Corey too are like, sexy. Oh, we don't know sure. the British yes. pop band one hit wonder. Noah's like, I don't know who Freddy Krueger is. Yeah. <laughs> this obscure one hit wonder band from the 90s. Yeah, yeah, one yeah one I got that. Yeah. We'll, we'll see <laughs> and and like, just, just so our our Twitter mentions um, aren't aren't a mess, I, I realize they have other other hits, but mostly I think that's what they're known for today. <laughs> what other hits? I don't know, but yeah, I just so I was looking were. on their Wikipedia and it's like they have a ton of number one hits and multiple ones. So it's like whatever. I guess it's not a one hit wonder, it's but pro- probably in Britain. This is what I know about the villain of the Halloween series invents a personality test and finds out he's an INFJ. Michael uh, Myers Briggs. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I had that one too. I was like, <laughs> oh, I know this. Uh, this is great. Yeah, that, that was one. good. That was good. Thank you. I think those are the those are probably the last ones that are um, gettable, but we'll see. <laughs> I still have a few more. Okay. <clears throat> a classic movie monster awakens from their eternal slumber to star opposite Jim Carrey in this poorly received dark comedy from the year two thousand. This one is difficult. <laughs> it's. Can you say it again? Sure. A classic movie monster awakens from their eternal slumber to star opposite Jim Carrey in this poorly received dark comedy from the year 2000. Not Sleeping Beauty, is it? I feel like I know the first part, but I can't even imagine. But you don't want to tell them? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm not going to get it either way, so you go for it. It's not one of the best Jim Carrey movies. Okay. But it works for what I was going for. Okay. I don't even know. But is is the first part one word? It's the something. Oh. That's not what I was thinking of. So like what mo- so what movie monster has an eternal slumber? Vampires? I thought it was Godzilla. <laughs> We're going for the mummy. Oh. Oh. The mummy myself and Irene. Oh. oh wow. okay. I, is that a dark comedy? Uh, according to Wikipedia, it is a dark comedy from the oh, year 2000. I wasn't going there. For some reason, I just kept thinking Donnie Darko, and I'm like, Jim Carrey's not in that. Yeah. That was a tough one. <laughs> oh, The Mummy, of course. Yeah, The Mummy. I wrote, Godzilla stuck in my head. Death is only the beginning of this unfunny 160-minute long slug. Um, <laughs> in, uh, in the 1999 film, The Mummy, uh, the, the Mummy says death is only the beginning. It's great. It's good stuff. Gotcha. I like it. Yeah. I want The Mummy ride. Yeah, he also oh, says death is only the beginning as you like launch off into his mouth. Really? Oh, yep. nice. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So there, I put a lot of information in this one. Okay. Hopefully you get a part of it. Maybe you guys can work it out together. Maybe this is a team game now. Okay. <clears throat> this band 2014 comedy features Seth Rogen and James Franco traveling to North Korea 
to interview a creature of the night featuring a young Kirsten Dunst. The interview with a vampire? Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Right on it. Thank you. <clears throat> this one's a movie and a song. Martin Scorsese directs Leonardo DiCaprio in this music video for a Weezer song about the burden of guilt and also going on vacation. Oh, uh, Shutter Island. What's the name of the full song? Island in the Sky. Island in the Sun. Yes. Island, uh, nice. Shutter Island in the Sun. Oh, nice. It's beautiful. Um, I think you got them. Yeah, that was it. I don't know the names of anything. Good job, crew. I'm like, oh. you guys got it. You nailed it. By crew, we mean mostly Noah, a couple of Robbie, and nothing from me. Yeah, I didn't think you'd be I knew, the I knew, I knew, you I knew. <laughs> but, uh, well, it's okay. I think, um, I think everyone did their best. Yeah. Well, the reason I'm on this yeah. so much is because I don't watch any movies. Yeah. That's yeah. true. That's true. I just like puns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm trying to give something for everybody, you know? Yeah. Throw me a bone. <laughs> so that's our Midnight Mass episode. Thanks for listening to Miniseries Madness. This has been late to the movies. Um, and again, so we'll roll credits if anyone just wants to scream for five minutes. I'll put in some ocean sounds later. Ah! Ah! Cut. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>